It's the Dr. Rick Podcast, where internationally renowned orthopedist Dr. Richard Lehman cuts through the clutter and brings you unbiased, real science and unfiltered information to guide your family. Sometimes we have a little fun with our topics or try to make it enjoyable, but this one is a, this is a sobering topic, Rick, and uh, talking about opioids and little children and the problems we're seeing in our country. You know, we never think about this. We read about all these overdoses that people are having, and generally they buy something. Um, it could be marijuana. It could be any kind of um, molly. It could be whatever, and it's fentanyl-laced, and then, and then people have overdoses. And these are people that are drug, drug users. I want to say abusers, but drug users, and they just get the wrong stuff. And that's not what we're talking about here. That dynamic is is a national disaster, worse than COVID, worse than anything we've ever dealt with, and that's the fentanyl crisis. But what we're talking about today is something that's even more tragic, and it's it's kids overdosing from opioids. And and what's happening is they're getting these opioids generally from mom and dad's medicine cabinet or pills left on the counter or in someone's purse or in the car, and they don't really know what they are. So we're talking about little kids, 10 and under, the studies were done in kids five and under, and it's equally or actually worse in kids 10 and under. And that's the number of kids that overdose and virtually all of them die when they have these opioids that they've gotten accidentally because someone hasn't been careful enough to either put them away, hide them, flush them down the toilet or whatever. Most of us know, but go through what happens when I take an opioid? And then what happens when a small child takes the same thing? What happens to our bodies? Well, when you take an opioid, and let's take Bob Ramsey, who probably doesn't take too many opioids or doesn't take any opioids, um, you you have a significant response. So what does the opioid do? It's a respiratory depressant, stops you from breathing or slows your breathing down. It relaxes you. Uh, it has uh, a, a, an effect on your cardiovascular system. So, so an opioid is basically a depressant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does create pain relief. It, it blocks pain receptors, uh, but it does cause significant respiratory depression. So if you take 20 oxycodones, you're going to stop breathing and you're going to die. Now, you weigh whatever you weigh, and let's say a kid weighs 50 pounds, So let's say you weigh 150 pounds. You can take three times as much opioid to have the same blood concentration. That's just math. Yeah. And and so if you weigh 50 pounds or 80 pounds and you take one or two or three oxycodone, your blood level is significant and you have no tolerance. So if you start taking uh, an oxycodone every day, what happens? You don't get the same buzz every day, right? You you get a buzz the first time, and then all of a sudden you got to take two to get the buzz, and you got to take three. Well, what happens is your receptors become blocked, or you you what's called accommodate to it, and so it takes more and more for you to get that same response. So, much like drinking, you see people that might be able to drink five or six beers, and you can only have one or two beers, and you're asleep, and they have five or six beers and they're okay, and they accommodate. Their liver accommodates, their liver enzymes rev up. So it's the same sort of thing. So if you take a 10-year-old who's never had an oxycodone, he's going to have that maximal first-time response, and he's going to have that maximal first (coughs) 
excuse me, first time response. That's also the depressant response, the respiratory response, cardiovascular response, and all the things that opioids do that create the ability or inability to breathe, et cetera, have your cardiovascular system work. So all those things are a first time response for a little kid. So where you might be okay eating five oxycodone and you may end up in the emergency room and you may end up getting your stomach pumped out, that 10 year old or eight year old or whatever is gonna die. He's just gonna stop breathing. Yeah, and so that's the thing that some people may, um, not that they don't care about their kid, but, but you, you're used to having these around and you don't even think of the, the difference that one pill could make to a small child, because for you, it's two or three or four or whatever. Absolutely. And, 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 and I, I think just a, one oxycodone could have significant effects. And, and of course, a kid's going to eat all the rest of them in the bottle because that's what kids do. Studies have shown they don't just take one. They say, oh, these look like candy and they eat them they all. They eat a whole box of candy. Yeah. Right. They eat a whole box of candy. And, and that could be five or 30 or 20 or who knows. But again, their, their, their cardiovascular respiratory system can't, can't tolerate that. And what's the answer? Well, the answer, you know, obviously is put them away, lock them up, lock them into a place that nobody can get. And your kids shouldn't see them around all the time because when they yeah. see them around, you know, that, then, then it's familiar, right? So if they see, if, if I, if I leave 10 M&Ms in a bowl all day long, it seems like, Hey, for, for an eight-year-old, it's okay to eat the M&Ms are sitting there. They've been there. I see them all the time. It's commonplace. So when they see your pills in your purse, in your car, wherever they sit on your counter, they don't really, even though you tell them to leave them alone, it becomes commonplace and, and they're going to try those things. And, and so the problem is put them away, make sure they never get to see them, take them when you need them, lock them up so the kids can't get them and don't make them available to, to, to be found or, or to in any way interact with your child's life. And that's really the same for all medications. So that's the same for over-the-counter ibuprofen. You know, we have a problem every once in a while, a kid will eat 12 or 15 ibuprofen, which equally terrible. So all your medicines, especially your opioids, but all your medicines, A, you want to tell your kids are off limit, but you have to make them off limit because otherwise, then it could be your, your diuretic, it could be anything because your kids are not going to be able to process those medicines. So let's stretch out the topic just a little bit. We've referenced your book many times, How to Raise an Athlete. Um, and you can get it anywhere that you get your books. But so as you treat young athletes and you've treated thousands of children athletes and they're dealing with pain. Um, and I know it's an important issue for you to help them get through this issue that's causing their pain, sometimes pain relievers. And, and it's so vitally important to take. Um, we'll talk about the care you take and how you deal with a young person and painkillers. You know, it's really a, a great topic and a great question. So when, when I see kids, and let's say somebody under 12 or 13 years old, so we're going to call them prepubescent before puberty. Generally, when I want to deal with their pain, I'll give them a topical or I'll give mom and dad a topical. And worse comes to worse, they rub on too much topical, but it doesn't get absorbed very much 
in their system and, and mm-hmm. no harm, no foul. But we have them in prepackaged uh, doses. And so they'd have to open up a bunch of them. And there just isn't any allure for a kid to open up uh, a prepackaged topical and rub it all over, them, over themselves. So in, in kids young, unless they've had a surgery that we think is going to be very painful, we, we try to stay away from anything that's digested. When we do huh. have to give them a digested pill, and that's generally an anti-inflammatory, they have to be low dose. They have to be pretty specific because kids are smaller. As we talked about blood levels, we give those to the parents and we give them very few. And we'll say, here's five of these Toradols. Here's five of these ibuprofen, naproxen, whatever the medicine is. And we give them to the parents and we say, this is the dosing. Put the rest of them away. But if the kid took them all, they've taken five ibuprofen. Now, that's not going to be good. They're going to end up feeling sick. They're not going to die. They're going to keep breathing. But And they're probably going to get a bad stomach ache. But at the end of the day, they're going to be okay. But I think in little kids, and little kids, again, are prepubescent, we should start with a topical, lots of ice, lots of TLC, try to avoid anything ingested. And when you have to give them something ingested, Stay away from the narcotics. So the takeaway today when we're talking about the opioid crisis, not just in America generally, with obviously with adults and addiction and all those kind of things, but talking specifically about children, you must lock up your medicine. Absolutely. And, and you know, not, not to get off on a tangent, but for people that are that are drug abusers, users, you know, I mean, you accidentally got addicted to opioids or you got accidentally or doing whatever drug it is you're doing, you have to think about, you know, you always hear about um, some kid taking mom's cocaine, mom was a this, yeah. or dad was a this, you know, or took, drank the alcohol, the dad was, you know, an abuser. So, so just think about your kid. So, you know, if you're, if you are someone that's fighting addiction and you've got some extra drugs around, just, you, it's not magic. Go lock them up. You know, that's, and, and the same for your weed and the same for your cocaine and the same for your LSD and your Molly and whatever your passion is, you know, just, just, just think about your kids and just lock those things up. You're working through your problems. You don't need another problem to work through. And I tell parents, and you know, this, I don't look at this as a negative, like people are like, oh, you're a drug abuser. I look at it as an illness. I don't, I don't, I don't look oh. down on people that are drug abusers. I, I think they have come to this. They have an illness just like diabetes or just like psoriasis. And I think society does a bad job of treating them. I don't think we do a very good job. So if you're working through these problems, A, don't look down on yourself, work through your problem you have a problem that's no different than any medical disease, vitamin C deficiency. And then don't add to your problems, put your stuff away and and make sure that you're not letting someone else get it in their hands that can't really tolerate it. And I think that's a better way to look at it. Folks, that is great, great advice and wisdom from Dr. Richard Lehman. Again, his book is How to Raise an Athlete. Thank you for being with us. I'm Bob Ramsey. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Rick Podcast. From our roots in St. Louis, Royal Banks of Missouri is branching out to continue serving you with our locations in St. Charles, Jerseyville, Granite City, and now in Hannibal, Center, and New London. Royal Banks of Missouri, the community bank in your community.